Cool. That's that theme music. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Fab, Freddie Fox, America's Big Brother, and we back with another episode of the Saturday Night Sit Down. What's going on everybody, it's your boy Fab, Freddie Fox, America's Big Brother And we are here with another episode of the Saturday Night Sit Down And today I got the pleasure and honor of sitting down with Mr. Young Executive himself, King Carl Mitchell What's Let's up, go, on, let's go Fred How are you man, how you doing Everything's man? absolutely incredible man yeah, I'm, and so, I'm, I'm so glad to be here, man. And I'm excited, man. <laughs> this is I'm a excited. different seat for me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to get you in here, man. Like, I, um, um, So just off the rip, man, I, I was put on to you by my twin, my brother, Mish. You know what I'm saying? He, Yo, he referred you. So I got to give Mish, man. That's my that boy. That's, I've known him yes. since, the, since the first grade, man. Me and Are you serious? Going, yeah, yeah. Wow. Me and Mish for over 30 years now, me and my boy Mish go back. I love it. I love it. You know, and um, I met him at Marshall's. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. I was a teenager. I was working at Marshalls, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you know what I mean, like, and he he put me on to you. What I'm saying, I was looking for a studio. He said I know somebody and stuff, and, and I already know. Like I said, I know him like better in the back of my hand. So he, mm. he told me about you. I was like, I know this is good people. There's somebody I can rock Word. with. Word. Um, and, and then when I came, when I met you, before we didn't say anything, just your vibe, your presence, your energy, man, is so positive and uplifting. Um, mm. and it was so inspiring. And I gotta say, like you. It was one of the first times I think a, a man has ever said to me, yo, what's up, king? And referred to me as a king. And that mm. was such a positive and just to feel good and just really, really just put me in a positive place. So I, so I, so I thank you for that. And that's why today I had to rock the, you know, the custom. Let's the go. Custom, let's the, go. The, the, the king fab today. I made the king fab king shirt fab. just for today, man, as a thank you it's to very you for that, man. You you. Feel it's me? very fitting for you. I got my king shirt on. I got my crown on. <laughs> you got your crown on. Man, listen. Um. I've been embraced by my brothers as the N-word. Right, right. It feels good. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're accustomed to. But that we, we, we embrace it as a term of endearment. But is it really? You know, it's got a lot of negative ties to it. You know what I mean? And I know we're trying to flip it around and, and stuff, but it's still, we're still using that word and still associating that with each other. You know what we're I mean? We're accustomed to it. But should that happen? Be how we addressing our brothers. Exactly. Should exactly. that we, be how we addressing a young black man, a young black king, a young black god? I don't. I don't think so. Um, so you know, not too long ago, I switched it to king. You know, instead of calling women the b word, I switched it to queen. You know, I understand there's a lot of labels that you can call that. Yeah. Music, music dictates a lot of the things that we say and we do right, and right. We, how we act. Let's switch it up. King, queen. That's that's just what I refer to men and women. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And, and and just off of that was one of the things where I was like, you know what, I could really, I know I could really vibe with this dude, man. This dude is amazing. But the other thing that really, really uh, got me like, man, like this is somebody that's very, very powerful and just very on a whole bunch of positivity. Because at the end of that episode when I was doing that, we were sitting here and you was transferring the music and um. One of our one of our producers on the production team I said something was like, Oh yeah, man, I'm so stupid and you immediately stopped what you was doing. Like it it was it was so mm. you were so offended by that. Like I know you were so focused, but I caught it and you were just like, Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. You need to rephrase that, you know what I mean? You we can't do, do that. that here. We don't do that here. Um 
everything you say after the words I am is your reality. Right. So if we take it back to biblical times, Moses was he he was a, he was an introvert. He was shy. He was intimidated by his potential. And he didn't even believe in himself like that. Mm-hmm. He trusted God. So when God said, you're the, you're the one, he was like, you're probably mistaken. But just in case you're right, who should I say sent me? God himself said, I am. Anything you need in that moment, I am that. If you lack confidence, I am. If you lack, you know, uh, you know, courage, I am. So when he went out to the field and started being the leader that he is, he said, I am sent me. So anything you say after the words I am is your reality. So if you say I am dumb, I am stupid. I am incapable of doing that's your reality because you believe that because when you say the words I am, you are summoning the power of God that is within you. I don't say words like that. I'm highly offended when anyone says that I am incredible. I am a king. I am the son of God. Like, like God sent me here to fulfill my purpose. That's how I got to live. So when you say I am dumb, I'm highly offended by that, you know? So yeah, I gotta, I gotta pause people when they say that it's happened to me. Like I I was in the situation when I was doing a youth empowerment show and I, I, you know, I said, hey, we're going to have a pop quiz right now. We're, we're going to, I was planning on testing the kids on what they just heard from the last speaker. Right. But the word pop quiz triggers something in kids. They was like, oh, no, 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 I can't do a pop quiz. No, no, I can't do it. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm dumb still. I'm stupid. I stopped the whole show. I had to address that right then and there because that is so highly offensive. You are you are cultivating, you're creating something that is so real that we got to make sure that it's positive. Cause if you say I am and it's something negative, I don't, I don't want you to face that type of reality. Yeah, no. And I said that too a couple of times, like when we were in that conversation, another thing that I, that, that I brought up was a quote that I heard. Um, and it says, and it goes, um, don't speak badly about yourself because a warrior inside hears that and is mm. weakened by them. Mm. Mm. And that's something that I kind of associated with that too. And also <laughs> it all goes into like the law of attraction and, mm. and like speaking things into the universe, whatever you say, that's your reality. That's what's going to happen. So you got to choose your words very, very carefully. That's what I am with my daughter, with my, with my, with my yes. daughter, as you can yes. see, as you met her last week, man, she, she's a beautiful little thing. She's and, amazing. And that's from the rip. Like I told her, her, her own little mantra. I said, listen, I'm beautiful. Mm. I'm smart. Mm. I'm brave. Mm. I'm capable. Mm. And I tell her to say that all the time. Whenever you face something, she's yes. like, Daddy, I'm scared. I say, no, 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 no. I'm beautiful. I'm brave. I'm strong. And I'm capable. That's what you need to remember mm-hmm. to say, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it is like you said, you know, whatever you speak into the universe, that is your reality. That's what, that's what, that's what you're going to bring on to you. Because whether, like, like everybody says, you know, like another uh, powerful quote, like they say, whether you believe you can or you believe, believe you can't, can't you're right. Way, you're right. Yes, come on. You know, so you got to be very, yes. very careful yes. with those things. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Sometimes it's not the enemy, but the inner me that holds us back. Mm. 
We think our way out of success. We think our way out of opportunities. We think our way out of our God-given birthright. I don't think that could, that can't be me. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Like it says, at the end of the day, we're all we're our own worst enemy. You know, we could definitely just tear ourselves down and and all those things. So, so those are the reasons and stuff like that. Why I knew that. You had so much to offer and why I had to get you on my show. You know, mm-hmm. I know you're very, very busy, man. Things going around. But that's that's why I said, you know, I need to get him on here and talk to him because he has so much to offer to the younger generation. And that's how you know my show is about. Reaching out to the younger generation, trying to encourage them, give them advice, mm-hmm. and really give them positive role models to look up to. Mm-hmm. You know, people that mm-hmm. they can look at and say, hey, he looks like me. He can do what I can do. I, I, I'm, I have somebody to look up to now instead of, and you know, I mean, like it comes to the music. A lot, of, like you said, the music thing, and all these rappers, they they they're going off on these wrong things, and people, and the young ones start to idolize the wrong things. You know, uh, seeing a positive example of success is how I turn my life around. So I'm going to give a big shout out to my dad. My dad has always been there since I was a kid, right? But early on, my dad wasn't successful. He struggled, right? We worked three jobs and we were still struggling with the bills. Mm-hmm. But when I looked on the corner, I saw the hustler that had the cars, the clothes, the money, the girls, and I thought that's what success was. So for a long time, I became a follower because I thought the dude on the corner was successful. And it wasn't until I was about 19 or 20 years old I met my mentor. He was then a multimillionaire and he showed me how to be a millionaire in business. That was the first time I saw a young black man that looked like me that had success, never sold drugs, never rapped, never played ball. It blew my mind when I saw that example of success. So everything I try to do is to provide positive examples of success like you, like me, like every, every guest that you had on the show because we need to see more like it. Right. That's why I created my Youth Empowerment Show and so many other things because it was like we need more examples of success. No, definitely, definitely. We got to do that. So as, as you know, man, like my show comes down to a certain by a certain few questions. So so mm. my first question to you, um, as I ask everybody else. Let's get else, into it. Let's get into is, it. Is for you... What do you think are some of the main qualities and characteristics that make up a good man or a good person? I'm the hip-hop quote guy, right? I got a quote, Jadakiss. Jadakiss says, I don't know you, but I know a man becomes a man from all the things that he goes through. We... experience a lot of things mm-hmm. that can make or break us. Yeah. It's how you handle that as a man that makes you who you are. Everybody experiences pressure. Everybody experiences obstacles. Everybody experiences um, hardships. How are you going to handle that? The way you maneuver through those difficulties is what makes you a man. Your integrity, the way you persevere, the way you look situations in the face and overcome them is what makes you a man. 
there's no real man that hasn't gone through something. Absolutely. The way you handle yourself as a man makes you a man. I don't know you, but I know a man becomes a man from all the things that he goes through. Definitely. And, 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 and that's another reason why like, I do this show and bring these in and, and talk to people from all different types of walks of life because we're never going to experience everything in life. Right. But we can we can learn and see and through other people's experiences learn from those things. Like like there's a book that I've been reading that's called Karma, Yogi's Guide to uh, mm. uh, Self-Development or something like that. And, mm. um, and it's, it talks about really explaining karma is such a it's much bigger than just you know do good things and good things happen do bad things right, and bad right, things right, happen right. it's everything you do everything it's a consequence really of all your actions mm-hmm. you know even and and it goes on long and it's not just about your physical things it's about your mental your spiritual energy and all those things because that leaves an imprint like like now we can sit there and we talk about people that passed away like Martin Luther King, right. you know uh, Muhammad Ali, right. Malcolm X, all these people. They, they you know what I'm saying they're gone, but their energy and their karma is still here from all the things that they exists. were able to yep. do. Yep. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. And, yep. and we yep. cannot erase that. So we have to be very careful. Like we say, what we speak out into the universe, how we how we treat things, what we think, what we all the things that we put out there because it's going to leave a lasting impression long before we're gone. And even now as a parent, I see that even more because. Even I catch my daughter doing things that I do. Not that I teach her because she's constantly watching me. Mm. So all my actions <laughs> are leaving a, karm, a karmic imprint on her as well. You know, so I have to really pick and choose and, and understand and really be mindful, extremely mindful of everything that I do and say. Because, again, not only it's not it's not just going to impact me, it's going to impact the world, and my kids. And everything on that comes after, everything that I touch or come across, you know. So I think that's very, very important, like you said, about like said, well, what it is that as a man, what he goes to and how he acts and how he does things. Because, again, you know, everything that you do is going to leave some sort of imprint somewhere right. along your life. So you got to be careful of what kind of energy and what kind of imprint you want to leave, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and like you said about integrity, that's being one of the big things there, too, and, and being mindful of that. And also about those characters as being a man, we also have... Everybody has a different set of morals, you know, or a different moral code that they live by. For you, what are some of your more, most important morals that you live by that you hold dear to your heart on a day-to-day basis? Mm. That's great questions, man. Honesty, integrity, and your priorities. Being intentional. <sighs> Being intentional is so real. And having a strong reason why as far as integrity is concerned again um, quoting a, a great rapper 50 cent he said I got a lot of living to do before I die and I ain't got time to waste some of my biggest lessons have happened after I was not intentional I've gotten to a lot of car accidents, a lot of a lot of crazy things has happened to me. And I've always felt like God is teaching me a lesson because I haven't learned to be intentional with the time that he has granted me. Chilling with women that I'm I don't see a future with. 
um, doing things that don't really have a purpose. Like, I really feel like I got a mission in my life. And when I steer all the way to the left, God really has to shake me up to wake me up. So I've had some um, car accidents that he has brought me through that have really woken me up. And um, the night before I was supposed to sign for this building, I had a car accident. And it was because I was hanging out with women I wasn't supposed to be hanging out with, doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing, and I was wasting the time that God has granted me. This life is a gift. Time is the most precious element that we have. I got a lot of living to do before I die, and I ain't got time to waste. I had to learn that through a car accident that almost cost me my life. And because... I signed the paperwork for this building while I was in a hospital bed. I don't take a moment in this building for granted. Integrity. Um, being transparent, being honest, and um, living life with a purpose. You got to discover your reason why. You have to discover your reason why. Your reason why for doing whatever you're doing is bigger than, yeah, I want to make a lot of money. No, no, no. Yeah, that's not yeah, enough. No, no, no. Are you living with a purpose? Are you living for someone? Are you living to do something? Are you living to make an impact? Are you living to change generations? What are you doing? And if what you're doing in life has a purpose, if and when you die, it's never going to be in vain. Nipsey passed away and he left a legacy because his whole mindset was on marathon. It's not about what we're doing today. It's about how what we're doing today is going to last generations. His impact, his life is going to impact people that are not yet born. Mm -hmm. That's a marathon. That's a legacy. So that's everything that I strive for. And that's his karmic imprint right there. Like I said, I mean, he's gone, but everything that he, he did and all his acts took place are going to resonate in, 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 into everything that goes on. It was, it, was, it was in the book, too, that I was reading, too. It was like, and I think it goes on to, like you said, what about living with intention and all this mm -hmm, is the purpose, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It was a father and son, right? They're sitting on the edge of the lake. And he says, son, he picks up a little stone. And he says, son, this is my life. And he throws it into the lake. And it starts the ripple effect. Mm. And he sees, look at that. You see the ripples? You see how they constantly go out, out, and out, and out, and out. It was just that one small action, my one small right. life. And you see the effect that it has on this entire lake. So you got to be mindful of what you say and what you do. Mm. And all things that you got to do, like you said, dealing with a purpose, with meaning. Because, again, that ripple effect yeah. is going to carry out through the entirety of this world. You know, and 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 I, and and it, like you said, going through all those things is finding that I think for myself, um, I, I was working at Cambridge for like eight years, right? And I, and I thought that was that was it for me, right? And it was funny because when I got the job, I was I was going to school at Gibbs, and they they you know introduced me to this job. And I was like, you know, but well, everybody that gets that job, they kind of like. It's almost getting to this like mindset of like everything becomes cable fish, like their whole lives, everything and stuff like that. Like, 
I guess almost in like a cult fashion, I guess you could right, say. Right. And I can and I lived it because again and and the thing about that is we were ridiculously overpaid, bro. I mean, for what we were doing, there was the on, on storms and, and on certain holidays and stuff, we were getting triple pay. So you thinking about I'm sitting at my desk making a hundred dollars an hour just to sit here to tell somebody to unplug their modem and plug it back in. You know, so my whole vision was like I got so wrapped up like you know, I need to be a manager, a supervisor, a call center. You know, I want, like, I really, it was all about cable vision. My family, on none of the holidays, is like, yo, you're going to come over for Christmas? Like, what you mean no. Christmas? No. I got work. No, I'm working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hurricane Katrina hit and all that stuff. And, we, and they was giving us a storm pay, which was triple pay. We could work up to 16 hours for six days a week. Yo, I was working. I'm just going in there every day. Boom. They they had, like, the Friday, yo, your 16 hours is up. You got to go home. I'm like, yeah, bro, nah, let me finish the last call. You know? And, and, and I was so lost and it goes to, to something else that um I don't know if you've seen Shark Tank man and, and you know um Mr. Wonderful and he said this thing that I read, read recently and I thought back on my cable vision thing was this which is so true and he says a salary is a drug a company gives you to forget about your dreams <laughs> and I was there for so I didn't think about anything so, else so let me pause you right now <laughs> let me pause you right now a salary is a drug that a company gives you to forget about your dreams you work 16 hours. You said no to your family, holidays, and so many other things that we don't know about. Have you ever worked that hard for yourself? I started to recently, man. That's what I, that, you know, and my, my wake up call, like I said, everything happens for a reason. I was doing all that, right? I just had my daughter. I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep moving up. I just became two hours. I'm making all this money and stuff like that. And a year after my daughter was born, our company was sold, and they fired all of us. Mm. Everybody. So I went from eight years, like you know, making this company. I was like, "Yo, this is this is gonna be my thing." And I was already starting to have my sour grapes because I, when my daughter was born, I think that's the wonderful thing about kids is you really start to look at things differently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was there, and um, two things happened. Number one, my grandmother passed away in Puerto Rico, right? Mm-hmm. And I go to my manager, and I'm like, listen, you know, my grandmother passed away. She's in Puerto Rico. I mean, I need to, I need to go to a funeral, take some time off or whatever. And they looked at me as like, well, Freddie, you don't have any more time. So if you can go, if you go, you're most likely going to get written up. But my grandmother just died, man. Like, I'm in more. And the only thing you talk about, like, you're going to get written up. Like, and that was one of my, that was one of my first wake up calls. Like, mm-hmm. you don't really care about me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sitting here busting my ass for you, but yeah, you worried I'm not gonna be here because a customer is more important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm going through all this to to be here for you. And I was like, nah, nah, I, I, that that's not gonna. I can't do that. That's already my thing. I was like, I gotta figure something else out. You know. And then um, then my daughter was born, and and I already had a situation with my dad, and and like I said, my dad was at at the house. But for all my special things at school, like concert, choir, plays, graduations, all those things, he never showed up. Mm. Wasn't this thing You know what I mean and I, and I understood my dad For his person that he is And I kind of got that But still You know That that hurts Like you know what I mean Like it I hurts want, yeah I want my dad to be there Like I, it was so bad Like I told my dad From when I was getting married To my father, I told him I said listen dad I understood you ain't show up For anything else But if you don't show up For my wedding We gonna have some serious problems mm. There's no excuse I don't wanna hear Nothing about it Like you need to be at my wedding And he was there all day long, the longest thing, you know what I'm saying? Because I had that conversation with him. And I started thinking, like, if I would have had that conversation sooner, maybe it would have been different, but I got to move on. Mm-hmm. 
But anyway, with the whole thing with K-Vision, I was like, you know, I'm going to be there for all my daughter's appointments, everything. My wife had an appointment to be there. I was there. I was there, you know. And then um, one time I needed to get some time off, and I couldn't for one of the appointments. And even though it wasn't that big of a deal, again, my job was like, well, you need to do this so you can't have the time off. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I I, I can't have somebody tell me what I could do with my time, what I can't do with right. my time. Right. I, and then they laid us off, left me after the win. You know what I'm saying? I gave you like eight years of my life where I just focused on you solely. Sacrificing everything. You know what I mean? Like I said, like you said, that's said no to my family, holidays, sitting here, like, you know what I mean? Like so involved in here, giving my soul to you. And just like that, like, you gone. You know what I'm saying? And, and that was like my turn. I was like, you know, I got to figure something out. And And that's when I really started that struggle of trying to, find my purpose like what am i meant to do what i need to do and and, and all those things and, and that's how i ended up doing this and, and and i love it you know and like you say you get that every single week every conversation i have with somebody i it is it's that man i must get an affirmation from god because i just get this feeling of such empowerment mm-hmm. like enlightenment it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and everybody's sitting here like man that was a beautiful show that's powerful i'm getting messages from people or all these things like man this is great what you do it is wonderful and and when I tell people what I'm doing, what my show is about, they're just like, oh, my God, like we yeah, need that. Yeah. We need that. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you said, yeah, you know, you can't, I'm not going to focus about the money. Right. I'm not. I need to focus on what I'm doing here because what I'm doing here is going to really leave an impact. It's going to be that ripple effect in that lake. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually the money will come. I know that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going, I'm not going to sweat it right oh, now. It comes. It, 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 it comes. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to have those those feelings now because you know what I'm saying like yeah I want it but I know what I need to do you know what I mean and really got to focus on what I need to do and really divert that man because I got like you just said down too like all the energy I was driving into that company and I got nothing to show for it now yo man listen listen shout out to all my people that are jumping in online right now I just need to make sure you understand never work harder for someone else than you do for yourself Never work harder for someone else than you do for yourself. I used to uh, work 10 hours at a job, travel one hour, travel back one hour, 12 hours plus a day. I was mandated to make 100 phone calls for someone else. And at the time, this is when I first started writing my book. So it was like, okay, I'm tired, man. I just work. Like 12 hours I made 100 phone calls Talking to people all day I don't want to talk to nobody else I don't want to do nothing else But I thought to myself Why in the world Would I give somebody else 12 hours And not give myself 12 minutes Do something I was tired Yeah I ate I took a shower I did whatever I needed to do to relax But I needed to make sure I did something for myself that that day, and I worked hard. It doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes. It doesn't matter if it's an hour, whatever. Whatever time you allot, make sure you go just as hard as you did for that company that doesn't care about you. They would fire you at a drop of a dime. Yeah. Listen, how wild is this? And and, and, and I don't know if you know that a couple months ago or recently there's, there's a huge strike with Frito-Lay. Mm. Now the whole reason because is that apparently somebody in the factory, right, working on the factory line and in, in, in the chip company or whatever, 
drop dead mm. on the clock at work. Mm-hmm. And management was just like, all right, we're going to move them to the side, but y'all got to keep on working. A dude just died like right here. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, we're going to just sweep him to the side. Yeah, yeah move, and, move, and, move And just, you know, you over here take his spot and, we're gonna, and keep going. Like the inhumanity, no like what? No remorse. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and like you say, it doesn't have to be like that. Because like you say, listen, everybody out there who's working a nine to five is not going to tell me that at least 30% of their day, they BSing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you just making yeah, up yeah, stuff yeah, not yeah, to yeah. do anything. You run mm-hmm, to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you checking your phone, you just mind oh, things like that, whatever. Nah. So you're really not giving them your hard-earned time. But if right. you take, you know what I'm saying, at night, yeah, you finish that nine to five, you go home. You say, you know what, these next two hours I'm just going to dedicate to myself. You'd be far more productive than those six, seven hours you were in that company. That's a fact. And you'll be a lot farther in mm-hmm. your life personally to move away from that company. Yeah. And and I wanna I wanna say shout out to everyone that's working full time that is chasing their dreams part time, right? Mm-hmm. It's important. I need you to treat your job as your primary investor. Hear me out. There's no other company in the world that's going to pay you forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year to invest in your dreams. Your job pays you to pay your bills, and it pays you to live your life, and it pays you to invest in whatever you want to invest in. So, if you think about your job as your primary investor, you're going to go hard for that job. Take that money and go hard for yourself. It's a blessing. An entrepreneurial nightmare is not having enough money to reinvest in themselves. Mm -hmm. Being a full-time entrepreneur, I don't care what your favorite influencer makes you believe, that shit is hard. Yeah. So if you're able to have a steady flow of income and reinvest it in yourself, take that. Take that opportunity and run with it. Collect your benefits, your all of your uh, paycheck. Live your life, re- um, pay your bills, and invest in your dreams. And get it to the point. Let it grow to the point where that's your primary source of income. I was, I was, tr- I was struggling, working full time for myself, and I, I thought that everybody was a full time entrepreneur. These people are lying to you <laughs> if they tell you that they're working full time. No, 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 no. They're working at their job and they're investing in their businesses. That frees your mind. That frees your time. I know you're thinking like, oh, maybe if I work full time for myself, I could do the X, Y, and Z. No. Working a job is a luxury. Take that income, reinvest in yourself. Definitely, definitely. You know what I'm saying? And really go in and go hard for yourself and and make your dreams happen. You know what I mean? Yes. It's going to take some time. It's going to struggle. But at the yeah. end, when you, when you really get that ball rolling, you're able yeah. to walk away. It's yeah. going to be so, so, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling, bro. I, the My last day working corporate America, I went to the conference room and I was dancing on the tables. I ain't going to lie to you, bro. I was literally dancing on the conference room tables because... I knew that I was never going to work for somebody else for the rest of my life. I've never looked back. It was January 7th, 2019 was my last day working corporate America. I literally danced on the conference room tables. I never looked back since. 
Go and I know you said like uh, and you said like about things was the entrepreneurship and stuff. You learned you learned from your dad and you seen that from your father. So going on, like I said, part of my show is all that a relationship with having an important male role model in your life. So give us a little insight of what your relationship with your father's like. Mm. Shout out to my dad, Eric and Michelle. Um, my dad's incredible, man. Uh still in my life right now. He's been married to my mom for thirty eight years. Not saying that it's been perfect, not saying that it's been happily ever after, but what I'm saying is that he taught me what being a man looked like, what being a husband looked like, what being a father looked like. I learned my work ethic from him. I learned how to persevere from him. I learned um, how to be disciplined from him. My mom worked because... It was supplementary income, not because she needed to work for us to survive. So my dad took care of all the household bills. Like, like I learned how to be a man because of him. So um, early on, he was very, very discipline-oriented. So I was very straight and narrow. But... Um, I learned a lot from my dad, but I also taught my dad a lot. I taught him how to love. I said, I love you to my dad before he said it to me. Because that's not what his dad taught him. Right, right. His dad taught him discipline, so he passed that down to me. But I learned my loving and nurturing side from my mom. So I was the first one that told my dad I love him. And since then, he's been really, he, he really opened up to his loving side. And that is, a, that is a common phrase between us now, you know. And um, I understand that I come from a space of privilege because the dudes from my neighborhood, they didn't have a dad. And if they did have a dad, he was in jail. And if they did have a dad, he was already dead. So for me to learn life principles from my father was a privilege. So I don't take that for granted at all. And you know what's crazy? I went to church one day. My dad was hosting the church event. I said, my dad is a dope speaker. (laughs) He can really control the room. And I said, wait a minute. That's where I get that from. I get that from him. I wasn't just born a speaker. I wasn't just naturally given the ability to to be comfortable in front of a large crowd. I got that from my dad. So watching him in action, I was in awe. I was like, wow, you really doing your thing. So I said, oh, that's where I get that from. So my dad has taught me so much, but he's passed down a lot to me, too, that he's never actually had to physically say, hey, this is how you control the crowd. Right, right. He's never had to say that. It was an innate ability that I received from him, you know. So I don't know what your relationship is with your dad, anyone who's watching in or listening in, but there's a lot of things that are in you 
naturally because of your father. Tap into that. Tap into the great parts of it. I don't know. Again, even if you don't have a great relationship with your dad, tap into the great parts about it. If your mom is not a speaker or different things that you notice within yourself, just understand those great parts about you come from your dad. Whether he's a he's a great man, whether he's been in your life or not, or whatever the case may be, just embrace your uniqueness, embrace your dopeness, embrace every great quality that is within you and cultivate that. Yeah, man, we got to love ourselves. And that, yes. that's, that's a huge thing is really, and I got to admit that, and I know that I, I've struggled a lot because I, I, I didn't love myself mm. for a very long time. Yeah, I need you to talk about that, bro. You what does know, that mean exactly? What What happened? So... <laughs> You know, you like hearing stuff like that. So you know what? I, and I'll give you a little insight because I wrote a poem about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and everything I was feeling, I kind of let out. So and go like this: Hear me out, cause I gotta confess, I got a whole lot of shit to get up off my chest. See, all my life I've been afraid to be who I want to be. It's pretty creepy. See a mirror, but I don't see me. Mm-hmm. I see a person in the frame, and it's kind of insane to just mess with my brain and make it hard to maintain. It's way too much to handle all at one damn time. The person looking back at me make me want to whine. Back to when I was younger and I had no neck, and all the kids used to point, laugh, and disrespect. See, all I wanted was to fit in and chill with them. That's when my little issue grew to be a big problem. I started to believe the BME was wrong, so now I'm clearing out my head while I write this poem. Everybody criticized me just to make me cry, and there was plenty of times I just wanted to die. I even faked sick just to get out of school because all the kids in my class were just way too cruel. See, growing up was real hard being teased all the time. It made me just clam up and not speak my mind. So being scared just to think and say how I feel makes your boy even wonder if I'm even real. Yo, drop some bombs on yourself, bro. Drop some bombs <laughs> on yourself, <laughs> man. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, it's, it's right at the top, top right, top right, top right, top right, top right, right there, right there, right there. Yeah. Drop some bombs on yourself, man. Yo, I felt the energy in that. I felt how you, 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 you were even tearing up as you were saying that, bro. Yeah, man. I, and, and that's, that's one of the things that, that for, at least for my daughter and my son, is that I let them be them. Mm. Be silly. Be mm. weird. Be quirky. Be whatever you want to be. It's okay. See, one of the biggest things when I came from is that um, where I kind of had a misstep with my dad in this situation. Because, again, yeah, I was, I was, you know, getting overweight and stuff like that when I was younger. And um, remember one night my dad came home drunk as hell and just went in on me. Just went in on me. All sorts of, man, you fat and it's unhealthy and this, that. I mean, just, I mean, went in. And that same night I remember what's my mom. I was like, yo, mom, I hate him. I hate that man. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. I get all that at school. Every time I walk out of these doors, I got to deal with that. All these kids pointing, making fun of me and stuff like that. And, and, and one time it was in um in middle school, man. Uh, I was in the hallway going to my locker, man. This kid ran up and he, he was always messing with me, man. Always messing with me. And he was like, yo, what's up, tits? And I chased him down the hallway and I picked him up over the balcony, man. Over the second floor. And the Spanish teacher caught me. And I was like, she, she, you know, I had to put him down and stuff. And I had to go to anger management. Uh, for so long, every Friday, every Friday of my lunch, I had to sit there with the guidance council for hanging management and talk about my feelings and all those things. And it's because of that, like, I always just felt like I was being so criticized by everybody else. And I just was like, you know, how do I fit in? That's that's like I said, I developed this, this I developed my, my ability to be a chameleon. 
mm-hmm. to kind of blend in and change and adapt mm-hmm. to all my situations just to kind of suit the color of the room. Right. But not be me. Yourself. Yes, yes. You know, so I was like, <sighs> yeah. and as I started learning more and I'm like, you know what? And as I started getting older and, and you know, one, one of those things, like I said, was like, it was by Winston, Winston Churchill. He said, you know, when you're 20, you think that everybody's talking about you. When you're 40, you don't care what anybody thinks. And when you're 60, you realize nobody was thinking about you in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I started to realize, like, you know, ain't nobody thinking about me. Everybody going to move on. And, yeah, they might make me, they might say mean things or criticize me, poke fun at me. But why do I got to dwell on that? Because they're going to say that and move on with their lives and not think about me again tomorrow. Mm. But I'm going to sit here and complain and cry and whimper and feel bad about myself because somebody else told me something. Mm-hmm. I had again, like we said, I am beautiful. I'm brave. I'm the strong. Affirmations you know are what I'm important, saying? man. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's where I had to to learn to to really love myself and appreciate me for who I am, and really just not worry about anybody so else. A lot of people look at the uh, the fruit, but don't look at the root. They see the results. Yo, this kid is angry. Hell yeah, he's angry. What led to that point, though? You know, there's a lot of things going on in school. There's a lot of things going on in his household. There's a lot of things going on in his mind that is leading him to be this angry. There's a lot of stuff that you, on a surface level, it just looks like you're mad or you're angry or you you punched this kid or whatever the case may be. But what led to that? Yo, you, you, you held someone over a balcony. But you were at your wit's end. You were at your last straw. You've been picked on for over years. Mm-hmm. And you finally retaliated. But to the on the surface, like, yo, this kid is crazy. He just held somebody over a balcony. He needs to be in detention somewhere. No. He needs to talk to somebody. You know, so we don't we don't promote therapy enough. In the black community, we don't promote mental health enough in the black community. We don't we don't have an outlet to escape. Listen, and, and that that's that's why it, it took so long because again, like I I've, I've suffered through so much depression and anxiety and, 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 and all those things. And, you know, when you try to talk to somebody about it, it's like, oh man up. Be strong. Don't worry oh, about man. it, man. You good. Those are the most toxic words that we can hear. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, somebody else out there got it worse than you. I ain't worried about them. I'm worried about me and my situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so, so for myself, man, like, listen, and and, and for the long time, and I guess speaking about this too, is that through my depression, man, I, I, I think everybody in my family drank. You know what I mean? I'm not big on drinking because I've seen all the violence and all that stuff. But I used to smoke so much weed. And really just try to drown and numb myself through that. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want to face my own insecurities. I didn't want to face my demons. I didn't want to face any of these things. I just wanted to numb up, laugh, and go to sleep. Fred, we we drink our pain away. We smoke our pain away. We sex our pain away. We gamble our pain away. We fight our pain away. We cut ourselves and hurt our pain away. It's very rare that we heal. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that we talk. So 
I think that's one thing that we need to make cool. You know, that's why I always pick up uh, <laughs> Charlemagne the God. He's he's making therapy okay again. You know, it's so it, it was so stigmatized. You're crazy. You're going to see a a, a doctor. Because of what you're experiencing, you're crazy. No, no, you're not crazy. That's healthy. So one thing that Charlemagne said is that you you can go to a gym by yourself. Yeah. But when you have a personal trainer at the gym, they can teach you how to exercise right. They can teach you the different ways that you can use this particular machine. They can help you maneuver better. A psychiatrist, a counselor, a therapist is a personal trainer for your mind. Yeah. I've never looked at it that way until he said that. So now I'm like, oh yeah, I need to I need to see a therapist. Not because I feel like anything's wrong, but because I need to make sure everything is right. Because I need to make sure I know how to work this machine. My brain is a machine. It's the most important organ in my body. I need to make sure this is healthy. So why not Go to a specialist for me. You're going to seek a personal trainer for the gym. Why not seek a personal trainer for your mind? Right, right. And we got to make sure it's okay and make sure that we're, we're good mentally because if not, man, we will break. And there was a lot of times, like yeah. I said, I, I've, I've, I've been in some very, very dark situations. You know, very dark situations. And, 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 and um, I've been pulled from the brink of that, like I said, from God, from, 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 you know, my, my ancestors. Cause I feel that too. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like my ancestors, the people in my family that, that were, you know, that I knew and passed on always look after me, you know, and, and help me in my time of needs and in my darkest hours. Um, and just being okay to say that. Cause a lot of people will say like, oh, you, you talk, you answer, you crazy. So at least spirits, yeah. yeah, whatever, man, it works for me, man. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so that, that's what makes me happy about that. So uh, my Angelou once said, bring in the gift that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. Mm. Love my Angelou. <laughs> our, our ancestors passed down so much to us. It's a gift. They used to dream. They used to dream about black men speaking to each other. Freely. It, come on now. <laughs> Reading. Writing books, come on now. This is this is a dream. Bringing the gift that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. Black men used to get killed for communicating, for writing, for reading, and we do it freely without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Definitely, definitely got to be grateful for all those things and, and, and you know, everything that we, we've gotten here. Um, so so for you, and, and just moving on, because I know like, uh, there's a lot of things to talk about, but I, I want to know about, you know, you, you said you, was it January 7th, said 2019, you walked away. And, and my question to you for years is, how did Young Executive and the Royal Community came to be? Like, how did that happen? When did that ignite? Or when did you have that vision? And how did you go about it when you got it? I don't believe in coincidences, right? So, um, Young Executive was actually my screen name for Twitter. People had to convince me to get Twitter. So, Young Executive was my screen name. And um, 
I came up with the name Young Executive because when I was in college, I was working with a network marketing company called Legal Shield, and I became the youngest executive director in the state of Maryland. I learned from my mentor. <laughs> Shout that out real quick. You know yes, I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. Shout out to my mentor, Mr. Darnell Self, Michael Humes. Um, um, I learned how to present. I learned how to train. I learned how to recruit. I learned how to be resilient. I learned what books to read that would help me personally develop. I learned um, so many things. And... Um, I grew to the point where I was known as the campus CEO. Shout out to Morgan State University. I became the campus CEO. Everyone knew, oh, Carl's on campus. He's about his business. I used to rock suits on campus. I picked a day, one day out of the week to rock a suit on campus. Everyone was like, yo, who is that? Oh, that's the young executive. That's the young executive. When I went and I became the executive director in Legal Shield, they were like, oh, yeah, that's the young executive. So that just that name kind of just stuck with me. I used it as a screen name, but um, long story short, God used that as my brand. I thought that that was just you know just some random thing that people used to call me, but God turned that into my my empire, you know, and that came after a year, one year of fasting from drinking. He made me realize that it's not you're going to be executive director of this network marketing company. You're going to be young executive of your own brand. Because I was young executive of my own brand, because God granted me the idea for my book, 365 Hip Hop Daily Motivational Quotes, um, I was able to use the book as a launching pad to my career. I became a best-selling author, multiple countries, so international best-selling author. I became a an executive producer with the Youth Empowerment Show. I became um, a global ambassador. I became um, uh, an executive producer, like I said. I became a writing coach. With we, Now we have, I think, uh, 33 best-selling authors. I became a facility owner. Like All that happened after... I use my book as a launching pad to my career. So young executive was a reward that God gave me and the Royal communication center came after one year of praying online. After one year of praying online, me being obedient to what God wanted me to do. I was cutting the ribbon right here. It's a beautiful thing, man. And you've done so much and you're doing so much for, for, Podcasters like myself, artists, because you got the studio over here to record and all that stuff, and also to take photography and stuff. And uh, and like like you mentioned too, I want to get into that too because you said you got like, thirty three bestsellers. You know, then that, that that is huge. Wait, hold on, they can't hear me online. Can you hear me? I'm listening, bro. Yeah, so you know that became huge and stuff. So tell us a little bit about your bestselling book, man. And Woo! let's talk about now that. We talking now. We talking. All right, I, there's no sound online. I don't know what's going on, but um. 365 Hip Hop Daily Motivational Quotes. Every day you get a different um, inspirational quote from a a different rapper or um, singer. Every day you get a positive message from me, and every single day you get a daily affirmation. Okay? 
So the idea for the book came about because I was seeing so many amazing. Um, I'm not sure why they can't hear me. Um, every day I was getting, uh, I was I was running into kids all over the place that were super intelligent. They could uh, read all the. I mean, they they could they could uh, recite all the lyrics. They could they could do all the dance moves, but they were struggling in school. You know, so I wanted to create something that allowed uh, the kids to receive the positive message from their biggest influencers. Because at the time, every time I turned on the radio, I heard a destructive message, sex, drugs, money, violence, same message, different beat. So I'm like, why don't I take the positive lyrics of the biggest influencers, add my motivation and a daily affirmation to it. So that's exactly what I did. That's beautiful, man. And how many copies? You know how many copies you sold off Anna? Thousands, <laughs> thousands. Um, right now, I think we're. I mean, and not not a crazy number, but a little bit over ten thousand books sold. So it's been a blessing. That's wonderful, yeah. man. That's wonderful, man. And then um, we kind of wind down here. But um, what what would you say is your well before that too? Because I want to understand, man, on your journey going through here and going through everything that you've going through to become who you are today. Um, what has been your hardest struggle so far? That's a good question. Hmm. I want to say the hardest struggle is embracing my uniqueness. When I was, when I was young, young I didn't think I was cool and because I didn't think I was cool I became a follower yeah and because I became a follower I was influenced by I was influenced by so many people that were not who God intended me to be influenced by I really thought that um, the local hustler was the coolest person on the planet. He had everything I thought I wanted. The cars, the clothes, the money, the girls. I uh, I really thought the rapper was the coolest person on the planet. He was gangster. He was, he had all of those things that I didn't have. Right. So I tried to be everything that I wasn't. I tried to be everybody else. So I became a follower. So that was my big struggle growing up, up until my early adulthood. Like that didn't stop for a very long time. Yeah. So that was my big struggle. Yeah. No. That that runs deep, man. And 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 how would you say you kind of got over that, or did you learn to like? Was there like an aha moment? Did you just? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It took for me. Um, it took for me to get a mentor. I looked up to for me to see things differently. For the first time in my life, I saw a young black millionaire. He looked like me. He was cool as hell. He was funny, charismatic, never sold drugs, never played ball, and he wasn't a rapper. He was a business guy. 
And that was the first time I saw like, okay, maybe I could, maybe I could be me. Maybe I could, maybe I could be myself. Maybe I could figure out, you know, what makes me cool. And that's when I, I took myself seriously and I ran with it. And by me developing my own skills, my own, you know, uh, abilities and embracing everything God made me to be, that's when I started thriving in business. Like there was another quote, uh, I just love a bunch of quotes too, is just say, why fit in when you can stand out? Mm. You know what I mean? Like that thing, That's huge. You weren't born to fit in. No, none of us were. None of us were. And I say that all the, all the time, like all, so many of us, right? Let's look about going back at us from the hood, right? You, all of us, we grew up in the hood, right? We've seen the same drug dealers. We've seen the same problems, the same fights, the same violence. How is it that everybody turns out different, though? Mm-hmm. Ain't no cookie cutter mm-hmm. approach. Even, mm-hmm. even, even, even in, in, into like, like personal, like me and my sister, right? Grew up in the same household together. Same things, you know what I'm saying? And again, I'm not saying that nobody. You know, think about drinking, but you know, she drinks on the weekends. They have party. They do that. That's her thing. That's not my scene. Mm-hmm. You know, my family. They get to me when they get together and stuff like that. They got to convince me to drink a beer, and I just have one just because I know that's how they socialize. I'm like, you know, I'll have a beer or two with you guys. You know, just to kind of partake in your things. But they all know, like, you don't drink. Freddie don't drink. Like, you know what I'm saying, like, but we grew up in the same exact environment. We seen the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but it. We still took different roles because we're, we're meant to be different. We're meant to be unique. Ooh, say that again. You know what I'm saying? Say it's like again. that. We're meant to be different and we're meant to be unique. You know what I'm saying? We're meant to be special. That's it. So, um, again, hip hop quotes. There's two quotes that I want to quote in here from some of the greatest of all time. One, um, one from Tupac and one from Jay-Z. Tupac says... Just because you're in the ghetto doesn't mean you can't grow. We grow from the books we read, the people we hang out with, and our experiences. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you start from. You can start from anywhere. And you can really take things to another level based on the amount of knowledge that you have. Oh, Talib Kweli, this is the third quote. Talib Kweli, shout out to Kweli. He just reposted me the other day. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Kweli said, the flower that blooms in the ghetto knows more about survival than the ones from Fresh Meadows. Mm. You gain so much resources, skills, and an innate ability being from the hood. Not a lot of people can start from literally nothing and make something out of that. You're special. You're special. I didn't look at it that way. I didn't look at myself as special. But the flower that blooms in the ghetto knows more about survival than the ones from Fresh Meadows. Jay-Z says I'm different. I can't base what I'm going to be off of what everybody isn't. So if you look around and there's no examples of success, that means you need to be the example. I don't care how many people have tried and failed. That means they ain't you and you ain't them because I'm different. So all this talk about 
our environment, being from the hood and all these other things, not seeing examples of success. Like, yo, you got to focus on your future, not your present. When we focus on our present, we think about all the things that we cannot do. When we think about our future, we think about all the possibilities. Kanye West said, before I had it, I closed my eyes and imagined the good life. He said that when he was a struggling producer in the hood of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Multi-billionaire. Multi-billionaire right now. It doesn't matter where you start from. If you have faith in God and you have faith in yourself, literally anything is possible. No, definitely, man. And then it's also this uh, this book that I was reading too, the mindset makeover, right? This mm. is a little story, right? And um, and it goes like there was a man who had two sons, right? Mm-hmm. Now this man, he wasn't a great father. He was into gambling, to drugs, mm-hmm. violence. Was constantly going in and out of jail, right? Now his sons grew up seeing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one of his sons grew up to be his mirror image, even worse. Actually, he's locked up in jail constantly. He's now serving life for crimes he committed. His other son is a successful businessman, rich beyond his wildest dreams. Now, there was somebody who was intrigued by their story, and when they interviewed the brothers, and they asked him, you know, how did they, how did how did you become this? Like, how did you end up here? And they both gave the exact same answer: with a father like mine, what would you expect? See, it's not about that. It's their mindset was different. One knew he had to be better than his dad. Mm. And one believed he couldn't be better than his dad. Mm. And that's the difference. It's all about your power of your mind and where wow. you see yourself and what you envision wow. and what you, you put in, what you feed yourself. Because mm. you're saying they could have said another but once and no, I got to be better. Yeah. I got to do better. I can't be in the streets looking like what a bad example this is. His mindset was completely different. And the other one just felt, gave up hope. Like, you know what? If that's what my dad is, that's what I got to be. Mm. I ain't got no other option. Mm. But it's not that way. It's all about what you think and what you believe. Mm. And that's how you move yourself ahead. You know? Yo, you got to give a round of applause to yourself, man. <laughs> Put, press that button, man. Press that button. <laughs> that's fire. Now, now, we winding down here, so I got two last questions for okay. you, right? So... The first question is this, man. For you, you had a mentor, you've seen a line going on that's going on in your life right now. Right. What has been the best advice you've ever received so far? Hmm. <laughs> There's been um, a lot of advice I've gotten from my parents gotten a lot of advice from friends I've gotten a lot of advice from family but um I'll give you all some financial advice because this is more universal and it's going to help a lot of people hopefully that listen to this my rich dad Darnell Self I call him my rich dad because he's very wealthy and um it wasn't just about the money that he had, but it was about his mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad had an amazing, my personal dad had an amazing work ethic, but there were some things that he could not teach me about wealth because he wasn't wealthy. 
So it was, I was my first year out of college. I worked really, really hard. I made about $33,500. So $33,500 for the year, including overtime. I'm like, man, I work really hard. I deserve a life of luxury. So I'm going to buy a luxury car. I don't have a, I'm living with my mom, don't have a house, don't even have an apartment. I'm like, I deserve a luxury car. Okay. I got approved for a Mercedes. Mercedes was about (laughs) (laughs) $30,000. I was making 33. The car was 30. So I said, I deserve this car. I talked to my rich dad and I talked to my, you know, biological father. I said, hey, this is the car that I got approved for. My, My dad said, go for it. You know, I'm like, but dad, this is like what I make. This is what the car payments are going to be. I could do it. He's like, yeah, go for it. And my rich dad was like, no, don't go for it. Don't do that. I said, why not? I deserve it. And he said, Carl, it's something I never forget. He said, Carl, sometimes the things we buy to make ourselves look rich are the same things that are keeping us poor. Mm. <clears throat> and he speaks in parables, of course, like a rich man, wise man would. He said, if you take two millionaires making the same exact amount of money, one buys a 10 bedroom mansion with a Bentley. The other buys a three bedroom home with a Honda. Which one looks richer? I'm like, yeah, the guy with the belly in the house. He said, which one is richer? The guy with the Honda. Liquidity is the name of the game. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. Mm -hmm. If you buy the Bentley and you buy the 10 bedroom mansion, you don't have any money left. If you buy the modest house and you buy the Honda Accord, you can you, you got a lot of money left. He said, Carl, if you buy that Benz right now, are you going to have any money to take the girl on the date <laughs> that you want to impress? I said, nah, I ain't going to have no money left. He said, what happens when you pop a tire? What happens when that luxury car needs maintenance? What happens when there's an unexpected bill? You won't have anything left. So that's when I realized I couldn't buy that car. Even though I got approved for it by the grace of God. I don't know how I got approved for it. He said, don't buy that car. The craziest thing that happened after he gave me that amazing advice, I got a promotion at my job. And they gave me a company car. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a car. I didn't need to buy that car. If I went and bought that car, I would have been struggling with the payments. And I wouldn't have been able to get the um, company car that was complimentary with that promotion. Mm-hmm. So it was just 
and and I went through that too, man. I I uh I got lucky and I just got ahead of myself. My my thing is, man, growing up, I say this in Spanish, man. I like to learn con la cara contra el piso, with my face against the floor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I just got to take them L's, and that's what's gonna be like the wake up call for me. Mm. You know, so that happened to me, man. I um I I, I my mom got into a car accident. I wanted to get her a car. I actually won uh, something on 105 to go down to Major World to try to start a car. Yeah, um, I didn't win the car, but they gave me like $1,500 down, and I got approved for a uh, my dream. Well, the car that I wanted at the time was a, it was a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Mm-hmm. And that day I drove off the lot, and I was like, yeah, man, I was big dog on campus and stuff like that. Yep. In total... In total, I was paying a thousand dollars a month just for my car. Between the car note and the insurance was about a thousand and some change a month, you know. And and I was going through all this stuff, and then yeah, and then I learned the hard way, man. One morning I wake, one morning my dad comes to my room and he was like, "Yo, Freddie, where your car at?" So what you mean? I parked it out there in the corner. He said, "Go go, go look." I went out to get my car, got repoed, man. And then it is hit. Then that was one of those times again. I learned the hard way. I was like, you know what? That thousand dollars I was paying for that car, I could have got me my own place. Could have been mm-hmm. out of here. I'm saying and doing something else. You know, so I had to learn the hard way. So and that, that's what's been my my teacher in in the finance thing until I started learning again, reading these books and getting this stuff and getting properly educated because my parents don't know anything about wealth. Mm-hmm. They don't know any better. They know mm-hmm. how to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. That's what they could teach me. And no shade on them, you know what I'm saying? They work hard, gave me that work, stuff like that, but that's what they could teach me. I had to right, find out right. and learn, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a huge difference. And you chose your words carefully, as you've been saying that. Like you said, you know what I'm saying? Wealthy. You used wealthy constantly. And that's the big thing is that wealthy and rich, the big difference is there is time, Right? Because yeah, like you said, that dude could have that ten mansion house or whatever, you know what I mean, with that Bentley. But how long is he gonna be able to live on his money? Mm-hmm. Not very long at all. You know what I'm saying? So that's the key is 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 wealth, is how much you keep and how long you can live off of your money for a long time. And that's something that we all need to teach, especially our young black kids and stuff like uh-huh. that at a very, very young age. Because again, yeah, they they grow up like yo. I want to be a basketball, so I want to be a rapper, want to be a football, and that's all fine and dandy. If you could do it, if you got the skills, you got the talent, go for it, man. Do it. Be big, but be smart about your money because if you get injured, you get hurt. You know what I'm saying? People don't like your music. Stop listening. You, you fall out of thing. They then want where's your money gonna get you? Yeah. You know. So we gotta teach them now how to be wealthy and not just rich. Mm-hmm. Um. So so lastly, now my last question for you. Is this um, And you know we, we got a lot of young kids That's the whole thing Is looking out for the younger generation Teaching them And from your life experiences From the things that you've been through What is some advice You would give them No one is you That's your superpower mm. I didn't think it was cool To be smart I didn't think it was cool to be me. I thought I had to fit into something I was not. You were not born to fit in. You were born to stand out. Embrace your uniqueness. Whatever God put inside of you, it's different from everybody else. 
Yes. So don't try to conform into something that you're not. I didn't think it was cool to be smart, so I stopped doing my homework. I stopped turning in assignments. The teachers are like, why are you not doing the things that I know you're capable of? My friends were like, why are you hanging out with these dudes? No, I didn't have an answer. Those the homies. No, that's not an answer. I was a follower. So my advice to you is embrace your uniqueness. You're dope as you are. Yeah, you're weird. You're quirky. You're smart. You're super intelligent. You're different. You don't have the coolest clothes. You don't have the designer labels. None of that matters. Be you. Explore your talents. Explore your gifts. Explore every single thing that God gave you. You're dope as hell. You're actually cooler than the guys that you think are cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're cooler than the guys you think are cool. That's a blessing. Do you? Definitely, man. Definitely preach on that, man. Everybody, like I said, find your talent, embrace yourself, love yourself more than anybody else. Because at the end of the day, you the one that got to look in the mirror every single day. Mm-hmm. You got to look back at what you see and be happy with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're not happy with it, find what makes you happy. Right. Everybody's happiness is different. Everybody's happiness is different. Don't compare yourself to anybody else or try to want the same thing that somebody else has because you may not want that and they may not want what you have. And that's okay. That's a beautiful thing. That means there's more for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Carl, for for number one, just creating such a beautiful place for us podcasters and people like that to be creatives and come in yes. here and do our thing. Oh, um, thank you for being such an inspirational role model to these young kids, your youth empowerment program, you know, all the things that you do to help influence and guide our younger generation on the right path, you know, continue to do that. We want to support you any which way we can. Um, and on that, look, I tell everybody else, man, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, your big brother loves you. Stay blessed, everybody. Hey, let's go.